Hi, this is Lori, your host of Happiness Hangout, a space to come and elevate your happiness levels. You, me, and our guests will discuss and help you apply happiness to all aspects of your life, even if you're already happy. Get your daily boost of information to help you feel your best. Hi, everyone. This is Lori Peters from the Happiness Hangout. So glad to be with you again here on this lovely day. And uh, as usual, we have a wonderful guest. Um, And today we are going to be talking about life, love, career change, changing your life, making it for the better. And, of course, we'll have a slant on relationships and happiness as we always do. So I want to tell you who we have today. We have Kevin Ballmer. He is a professional speaker, certified life and executive coach, and host of Journeys with No Schedule, man. Love that name. It's a weekly podcast featuring conversations on personal and professional growth, available worldwide on iTunes, Stitcher, YouTube, and at noschedulemanpodcast.com. Kevin's signature keynote presentation, Rise Like a Phoenix, Race Like a Turtle, helps people proactively respond to change and rediscover themselves through times of adversity. The enthusiastic response has led to the creation of Kevin's online coaching community, The Turtle Tribe, and that's at www.theturtletribe.com. Kevin Ballmer, welcome to the Happiness Hangout. Great to talk to you, Lori. Thanks for having me. Well, we're so glad to have you here, and, and I'll tell our, our audience that I've done Kevin's show, too, and and uh, it was a very enlightening show. It was um, very much a go-with-the-flow stream of consciousness, and um, I found it very unique, and I've been interviewed by a lot of people before, so, so I hope I can make it half as good as you did with me, but I thought you had a very interesting story, and I think to our audience... When it comes to love and challenge, I think that that these are things that our audience should hear and learn from. So I really wanted to bring Kevin on my show um, as a teacher, um, as a leader, as a coach, etc. So, so I'm going to start off by talking a little bit about Kevin. How did you get to where you are in terms of what brought you to the point of being? a speaker, a certified and executive coach, and your podcast, and knowing and knowing inside that, that to get to where you need to be, it appears from your title that sometimes you just got to take it easy and let things happen as they happen. Tell us a little bit about what brought you to doing this as part of your, your um, not only hopefulness in the world, but as, as a true career. I think to start with, Lori, as most of us do, I suspect, or I'm, I'm learning that, that most or many of us do, I, I knew what I needed to know from a very young age, or I knew who I was, and set out on that path. And then you start to do the adult thing, where you are following the, the, the map that you think uh, holds the key to your treasure, which is the be a good student, get a good job get married, have the house, two cars, two kids, uh, do that until you're 65 and live happily ever after, amen. Be responsible, suck it up, keep pushing, be resilient, and all of that kind of stuff. And so my story is kind of similar to that, where I started off knowing what I wanted to do, and then I got into what I thought was the responsible thing to do that didn't always necessarily align with what I was passionate about, but that I was good at and was paying the bills and servicing all the responsibilities then it all fell apart. <laughs> then I had the opportunity to really evaluate and reflect and learn. And of course, there's a lot to unpack there, but just in the effort to make it succinct along that path through my late 30s and into my early 40s, I really rediscovered that that I, I knew what I needed to know and just began to embrace who I really was. So I always was interested in broadcasting. I, I was that insufferable kid, Lori, that was the the one that the school would send to represent the area for the public speaking stuff, like in grade four and grade five. And I was the grade eight valedictorian. And I went into radio broadcasting. Even in, in high school, I was doing radio and TV arts. And I got into radio before 
different curiosities and, and aspirations took hold. And then I ended up into business management and sales and marketing and, and things like that. But right from the beginning of my career, I knew I wanted to speak. But if I'm honest with you, I was also telling myself, well, you're great at getting up in front of a, a crowd and you, you Clearly, as you can already tell, you don't have any problem stringing words together and talking for a long time. But I remember telling myself, Laura, you're just a kid. You haven't done anything yet. Who's going to want to listen to you? And I didn't know what a limiting belief was then. I understand that now. And then fast forward through a couple of decades of doing life what I really thought was the right way. And the marriage goes away and the health fails and the business that I had helped to build scaled itself down to put me out of a job. And I ended up in a form of what a lot of people find themselves in, I found out through my podcast and otherwise, of just doing a look at life and going, gosh, I did all the things I thought I was supposed to do and here I am. You know, everything seems like it's in ruins. Now what? And it didn't all immediately come back together, but the podcast was one of the first things after a few years of just kind of existing I did a lot of work, invested in courses, read a lot of books, got coaches and mentors, and really started to get back in touch with who I really was, and had been wanting to do a podcast for a while and started it not really knowing what it was or who it was for. I just started to do it. And then whatever you want to call it, Lori, the law of attraction or positive energy or being in a higher vibration or growth mindset and maybe all of those things took hold. And light started to go on. I started to meet all kinds of incredible people like yourself. And uh, I got the inspiration to say, you know what, now's the time that you need to explore this passion that you always had for speaking. And, and I did that. And after I got out speaking, people were responding to me in such a an electric, positive fashion. They were asking me, do you coach? When I was talking about things related to my relationships and, and my marriage and what happened and where I am now, people would look at me like I had three heads. How do you how do you do that? Maintain a great relationship, not just with your former wife, but her new husband. How is it that, you're, <laughs> that their new son, who wouldn't exist if you'd have kept your marriage together, likes to hang out with you and sleep over at your house? They, they just look at me like I'm, a <laughs> like I'm a freak show. It's normal to us, but I've found that it's not to a lot of people. And so I explored coaching because, frankly, Laurie, people were asking me for it. So that's a long answer to a short question and, and gives you just kind of a 40,000-foot overview of how I arrived at the point where I am talking to you here today. Wow. I mean, there's so much. I know that is a, a, a concise answer to something that probably took a while. But, you know, I'm sitting where I am right now, and I, I feel the urge to to say this, you know, I am sitting in a place called the Villages, Florida, which is a planned resort community for people 55 and over, and it's beautiful. I, I landed a while ago, and I got a little bit of a tour, and it's, it's, it's very beautiful. Like I said, it's like a resort inside for people who are, you know, retiring or getting there or one spouse is retired. And I think I have to sit and wonder while we're talking. Looking out my beautiful window, I have a little suite back here all of my own. And I just got here, and I'm looking at a house across the street, and I wonder how many of those people live lives doing things that were so hard that maybe they didn't really want to do a lot of the time but forced themselves because of the money and the responsibilities. And, and thank goodness they made it, and they got here. Because people who are here, you know, I had a long talk with my friends who live here at most people that they're around are very, they said, are very happy and smiling because why wouldn't you? And thank goodness they're, they made it and they're having fun and they're golfing and they're swimming and they have millions of things to do here, if you want. How many people you think could get to this place but live happy lives as well? That's what I did. I know that's what you did where you said, you know what, I'm not going to do what the man <laughs> says or what people tell me to do, and I'm going to live my life like it could end any time, because we don't all make it to this level. We all don't make it to the villages. We all don't make it to the point where we can have that life, the latter part of our life. And so I have to sit here and think I'm so happy for everybody who, you know, who made it here, and I'm looking forward to meeting people this weekend as I do my book tour and meeting neighbors and all kinds of people over the next three days. But, 
you know, it's really a shame to spend so much of our lives doing things that we really don't have a passion for. So I guess I would ask you, um, obviously, you, you followed your passion, okay? So, so how did you get to the point where you had the wherewithal or the guts to say, I'm going to follow this passion. I'm just going to do it, and, and that's what I need to do. Like, how did you get yourself to that point? Because I had done it the way that I thought I was supposed to do it, that we're all supposed to do it, and it all fell apart. I, I paid the price um, in health, in marriage, in business. And I don't say that from a, a victim mindset position, Lori, but just I don't even remember anybody ever telling or suggesting me what are, were the things that were in my mind in terms of how I thought life was supposed to be lived. But, you know, things like suck it up. If there's a problem, solve it. Be mentally tough. Never let them see you sweat. You know, figure it out. Uh, showing vulnerability and asking for help is is weakness. Uh, these are the things that, that, that I thought. I don't know how I acquired them. I, I've always been, uh, I, I think most people would tell you, a, a nice guy, easy to get along with, tons of friends. I really thought I was doing everything right. I didn't realize that I wasn't happy. I just thought that's just the way life is. It's just hard. Mm-hmm. And, and everything fell apart. And for a while, as I think I might have mentioned, I, I, I just existed. But that opened the door to me really taking a much harder look. So things like, which I've since found out, Lori, are fundamental building blocks of people with a successful life. And when I say successful, I mean somebody that can look you in the eye and they've got that little twinkle because they've got fulfillment. Not because they make a lot of money or they have a perfect partner, or but because they've got, they just feel fulfilled in all those areas that they make a contribution to their community. They have very rich relationships. They feel very present in the moment. They enjoy and they work at and they enjoy working at good health mentally, spiritually, physically. They enjoy what they do. They you know make a decent income. And not everybody wants to have gobs and gobs of money. Some people want to live very simply. It's not for me or anybody else to decide what that is. But one of the fundamental building blocks of, of that is to take 100% responsibility for your own experience. To, to be able to love yourself. And these were ideas that were completely foreign to me until the whole house of cards came falling down. And when I began to explore that and realize the old cliche of life not happening to me but happening for me, I'll tell you the book that it was. It's called Five Wishes by Gay Hendricks, who's one of my favorite psychologists and authors. And oh, in that, that book... You know Gay Hendricks. He's he's he's. Yeah. One day I'll get to have him on my podcast because uh, he's the one person that I, I most look forward to expressing my sincere thanks to. But in any case, it was it was that book where he poses the scenario of looking at, at imagining yourself at the end of your life and looking back upon it, supposing that it stays on the same trajectory that it's on right now. And then look back and ask yourself, are you happy with it or are you not? Was it a success or was it not? And if, and if not, why not? What were the things that you were going to regret? And I remember doing that exercise. I still have the handwritten notes, Lori, that I wrote down at that time. And I was surprised at what came out of me. Money was on the list, but it was fourth or fifth or sixth. The top thing was it was not a success because I didn't have a conscious, loving relationship with a woman who adored me and vice versa. It wasn't a success because I didn't fully express my creativity and, and my abilities to my full potential. It wasn't a success because I didn't make the contribution to others that I know that I was – or that, that inherently I knew I was capable of making. Now, I first went through that, that exercise around 2011. It wasn't until 2016 that I started the podcast – but I think what happens is when you start to draw your awareness onto areas that previously weren't a, a part of your awareness, now your subconscious starts to marinate on that a little bit. The seed's been thrown into the ground, and, and there were some other things. I, 
I began to come out of my shell more. My relationships improved. I, I began to do things that I never would have said yes to before and very much deliberately through reading books and just trying other things. It comes back to – I literally I thought, well, I, I did it all my way or the way that I thought I was supposed to do it. What do I have to lose by you know trying it this other way? And step by step, I just found that I was just experiencing these very frequent and real moments of gratitude and joy – just for being inside my own skin, being with the person. I would just be having an everyday conversation, listening to somebody. Whereas in the past, Lori, my mind would always be racing to what's the next thing I got to do and just this constant anxiousness where I was starting to notice I'd be sitting there listening to somebody at, at work or at my son's hockey game or at the grocery store and I'd have this thought of like, gee, this is nice being here talking to this person. <laughs> I, I know that sounds stupid to that simple, but that's what started to happen. And I just began to get back in touch with, as I said at the outset, who I think I always knew inherently who I was, but finally got ready to accept that. And once I got good with myself and I understood how to love and appreciate myself, then all of the other relationships in my life started to really get a whole lot better. And ever since then, it's just been a rocket ride of just kind of, I call it dancing with discomfort of just always just being right kind of at the edge of your comfort zone to, to always be growing and exploring. And that's the trajectory I'm on now. It's so funny, Kevin, because we have a similar story where I, um, I don't know if I told you this when I talked with you before, but I had a boss who once said to me, you don't just not stop and smell the roses. You run past the roses. Yeah. And I never, I never forgot that. It wasn't mean, but I could tell. I just knew he was trying to teach me something. And, I, and that really stuck with me because it was always about, I grew up very Midwestern, work first, play later. Um, things are always going to be bad. So when you get something good that happens, you better hang on to it as long as you can. I mean, the mindset was really the opposite of what we need to do and how I live now. But they were fabulous. My parents were fabulous. It's just that's how they grew up. That's yep. what they knew, and that's the time in, in which they knew it. So, so when you say things like, I feel the same way. I always had books and notes. And I'm always running everywhere and having to write things down and, and, and think through strategies. I literally cannot stand. I try to not have to carry things with me. I have a thing about having too much stuff when I'm working. I want the bare minimum of what I need. I want to know what it is. And I just want to go do it. Like I'm almost uh, decluttering in, in everyday life, my mind, my body, my soul, my physical things, like decluttering from it. So I really resonate with what you're saying about, oh, my gosh, I'm actually standing here talking to someone. I do the same thing, too. What kind of life is that? And I know we talk about happiness and relationships on this show, but if we don't get ourselves together in feeling like the person we know we really need to be, we're never going to be the kind of partner to our – we're never going to be the partner to ourselves we need, and we're certainly never going to be a great partner to somebody else, let alone a parent a great caregiver, a great whatever, a great whatever. So I really appreciate you, you know, you going through this journey because, you know, you put that goodness out into the world. So, so you're, you know, you've mentioned a little bit about here and there about, you know, your, um, your wife's and uh, son things. But besides reading the book, you're having these experiences and you're starting to like come alive, I would take in your soul. Um, how did you continue to learn about relationships and everything? Like, did you did you continue to study it? Did you um, on your own, or did you? How did that like continue to move forward to the point to where you were asked to speak and coach and all of that? Hmm. I, yeah, I continue to because I'm fascinated by it, and I I assume Lori that I will in some fashion or another until they put me in the ground. Um, one of the things that I've begun to 
really noticed that I, I'm building a passion for is that I see, because I've got two boys, they're at the time of this recording, 14 and 11. And I, I'm seeing that we're taught how to read and write and memorize and regurgitate, and but we're never equipped with how to effectively communicate with other human beings up to and including ourselves. We just don't know. And again, I don't say that from the position of a victim of, oh, if only someone had told me life would be better. Well, no, the, the generations before us didn't know either. Some do, but it's easy. And, and I, I get a little impatient with myself when I, when I hear these kinds of words coming out of my mouth or with others about you know, doing what you love and getting in touch with yourself and being authentic because I'm not all that far from the other side of remembering what – I don't know what the heck that meant. Like, what, what's that mean? I, who am I? I don't know. I'm Kevin. No, you're not. That's just some name. Well, you know, we don't know. And when you look at what's going on in the world and everybody's pointing fingers at everybody else and everyone's trying to, and everyone is a, is a gross, reckless, irresponsible generalization, but things will be right when the other person or the other entity or the other country or the other team or whatever it is does things the way that I want. <laughs> Well, it doesn't work like that. You know, that's mm-hmm. just your perspective, and you can own the like in a relationship. If if you if you can't get figured out that idea of of who you are and being a whole individual, it's like pouring water into a bucket with a hole in the bottom of it. Which is why I think so many of us cycle through relationships and and other things. It, it's the same with food or drugs or. You know, Bud Light was my weapon of choice. I had to kick that a couple of years ago after a decade of trying or shopping or whatever it is that it still comes down to this lack of fulfillment and and understanding about who we are. So in a relationship, when I got to the point where I (laughs) – and I I admit, Lori, I was so unaware. I was so unaware (laughs) and unaware that I was unaware that I had been married almost 12 years. My wife and I had met when I was in high school. I was always proud to be married. I always loved my wife. There were things about the marriage, of course, that frustrated me and that I wish were. But I think this was the way it was, and I didn't see that things had drifted. And then when another situation came along, I don't think, in fact, I know she wasn't ever planning to go a different route, but when another way shows itself to you and you see how how it can be for a while after she was entered into another relationship and, and I was confronted with the very real possibility that we were headed for separation and divorce, which had never occurred to me. I never thought I would ever be one of those people, quote unquote. For a while, I pointed my finger because it was easy to do. She was the one in the other relationship and betraying the marriage. So she was wrong and I was right, right? And... <laughs> So I tried on that paradigm for a while. I couldn't get her to go to counseling, so I started going on my own. And after a while, a couple of months, I realized I wasn't getting anywhere with being right. And I began to ask myself, well, there are two of us in here, so I wonder what my end of it was. And I was actively reading books like Hold Me Tight by Dr. Sue Johnson, The Five Love Languages, uh, Conscious Living by Gay Hendricks, books like this. And I began to really start to understand, like my world was blown open where the, oh, (laughs) oops. (laughs) You know, it wasn't any nastiness or anything, but just I would say laziness mixed with a lack of awareness and a sense of direction and, and trust in oneself and each other combined to... Make the house of cards fall down. And it happens all the time, all the time. And that was the start for me of learning things about communication and relationships. And like Hold Me Tight by Dr. Sue Johnson, everybody should read that. You shouldn't be able to get out of uh, public school without reading that. Or The Four Agreements by Don Miguel Ruiz and understanding that, you know, nothing that other people do is about us. It's about them. (laughs) Shakespeare's great, but we've got to start to understand how to communicate with ourselves and other humans um, or we're just going to perpetuate this cycle. So I don't know if I've answered your question, but um, 
the 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 learning is ongoing and i i am aware that i began to learn some of those things because of the situation that i found myself in Lori. and i often hear myself saying that I don't know that I would have learned it any other way because I don't know if I would have gone looking for the the opportunity to change and, and to understand and do better. You know, you make a really good point about, you know, needing to know reading, writing, arithmetic. You just have to know it. But we've got to get to the level our children can understand because we all know our brains develop aren't fully developed till we're 20, almost 24 years old, but we have to have our kids beginning to think about self-awareness and about passion and about gratitude. You know, um, maybe I was watching at, I don't know what show, about these schools now who are teaching little kids how to meditate and, and the effects of meditation that it's having on these children. Better concentration, better in school, uh, better at um, staying calm. I mean, lots and lots of positive effects from this. And meditation is one of, you know, the great, wonderful ways to, to become aware. Um, but you're so right. We continue to have wars and we continue to have problems and fighting and because people think that I have to get you to do it my way because my way is the only way instead of thinking that's not possible, how do we live together where I can be okay with what I'm doing and you need to be okay with what you're doing as long as we're not hurting people? I mean, that's a really big revelation right there. And I know it sounds natural and that we should know that, but to say that, we, we need to start teaching self I mean, I went through life just like you, very blind to what was happening. Uh, so unaware, so confused, so afraid, fear, tons of fear about life. And I just, you know, I want to say that to people, if you have children, to begin to, to maybe use some language around that or helping them to start to, to see that they're good people and, 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 and to, to learn about, because who they are is going to change, but to be aware that, you know, I love this, I need to have the guts to do it whatever that is, and continue to have the guts to do what makes them happy or makes sense for them. So I think that's beautiful stuff. So, you know, I don't want to get off this call without talking about relationships a lot more. And, you know, you mentioned earlier in the call about, you know, that you have your daughter's, excuse me, your wife's child, she's been remarried, and that he spends time with you and your relationship with your wife and her husband is so good. Talk to us, since we do talk about relationships, talk to us about how that can work, how it works for you, just anything around that that you want to talk about. I think it's very enlightening and people need to hear it. Well, there are a couple of key things, I think. One of them was when I was going through the separation and I, I was convinced that I would be able to fix it. I thought, fix it or it's a failure. And did that for, for several months. And I'm glad I did because I learned so much during that time. But then I got one of those field of dreams voices <laughs> that came to me from I don't know where. Um, because I thought it was a failure, not just to me, but to her, most of all to the kids. And the voice said, maybe it's a better lesson to your kids and, and to yourself and to who knows who else to show them that sometimes life doesn't go the way that you think it's supposed to or that you want it to. But when that happens, you hold your head up, you make the best of the situation and you treat people up to and including and maybe even especially the ones that you perceive to have hurt you the most with kindness and compassion. And Lori, I wasn't emotionally intelligent enough at that time to have had that thought on my own. But I had it, I heard it, and I thought, okay, uh, I'll try that as I'm not getting anywhere with, with what I'm doing. And that's not to say that it was always easy. At, at first, there were times when it was really raw. But I had that thought, which kind of became my North Star to follow across the desert. And then the other thing was that I, I reached for any kind of reference point that I could Again, thinking, okay, now I'm going to be divorced guy, which I never in a million years ever considered I'd be. And I thought, how, how, what do I do? How do I act? 
And the only thing that came into my mind is a, a character that I call sitcom dad. <laughs> Just the stumbling, bumbling, woman-blaming fool who talks in victim speak. And, and, um, and I, I thought, okay, well, there are going to be anxiety and tension and nastiness. And, you know, whenever we're in the same spot at one of my son's hockey games or soccer games or something like that, We'll be on opposite ends of the field and everybody will be uncomfortable. And I remember considering this because they were the only images that I, I had that I could immediately call up in my mind of how to do it. And I, and I remember thinking, Lori, that's stupid. Like, who wants to live like that? That's uh -uh. dumb. I'm not going to do that. And one of the first – I was still drinking at the time I, and I called up the fellow that my wife at the time eventually uh, remarried to. And, and again, at this time, I wanted to smash this guy's knees with a baseball bat. I just could never figure out how that would really end up serving me <laughs> in the long run. And I'm also not predisposed to that kind of thing. But that's how I felt, just to give it context. And I called him and, and said, you know, it, it's, it, it seems as if you're going to be a part of my boy's life, whether I agree that that's what should happen or not. So we may as well start to get to know each other. And he said, well, why don't you come over and we'll have a beer? And we did that. And he told me his story, and I told him mine. And all of a sudden, I saw him not as not as someone that was trying to ruin my life, but as another human being that was also trying to figure it out on his own. And now I was fortunate, I am fortunate, that he and she also in their own time chose to be positive about things. And it was precipitated by... I think um, precipitated might not be the right word, um, but they wanted to move on with the life that they had envisioned and wanted to get remarried and wanted to get on with it. But I know that they both have had their own stuff that they've had to process and get help with because you can't go through something that traumatic without having things to, to face and to deal with, as have I. But we, we all... You know, it's crawl, walk, run. We crawled for a while, and <laughs> it was funny. It still is funny to some extent, Lori, because the people that don't know us when they first come across us and they see us come in like this whole entourage where her new husband, he had two kids from his previous marriage, and there are my two sons, and then they had this other little boy, and we'll all show up to meet the teacher night together. And I almost feel like kind of like an uncle to, you know, to his other kids. They just they feel like family. That's not to say that we hang out all the time or do everything together, but we genuinely enjoy each other's company. How have we done it? We've worked at it. We chose. And I understand that people have very difficult situations with their exes, which is another word that I choose not to use. I won't, you won't ever hear me call my former wife my ex because I just see this great big family feud ex in my mind. And I think, why the hell would I want to do that to what has been one of the big key times in my life? We're not married anymore. She's my former wife. But in, in any event, I'm, I, I digress. But it, it's still, it's a choice. We can still choose how we want to act. How somebody else acts and what they do or they don't do is beyond my control. And I know that that's difficult. And I know there are people that, that go through a really tough time with those that just want to be completely unreasonable. And legal battles happen and it can be toxic and hurtful. But you still, you have the choice in terms of how you want to meet it and act, and the other person will either come around or they won't. And ironically, I think th the quicker you can let that go and let that be theirs to sort out, the more likely it is that they will. The, the more you try to shape them to what your version of reality that you think is the right way for them to sp is supposed to be, probably the less likely it is that, that that'll happen. Um, but I guess I could have saved you five minutes and just said, we just, you know, we chose, I chose and it was really uncomfortable for a while, but you go through the fire. And they say that life is short, and it is. It's short enough that you don't want to be carrying the things that don't serve you around with you any more than you have to. But it's also long. It's long enough to take your time. It's long enough to heal. It's long enough for your mind to change. It's long enough for you to move on and find other things. But like you alluded to earlier, we grip so tight to the things that we think are bringing us pleasure or fun and, and fun is different from joy and fulfillment. That lasts. Fun comes and goes. 
that if we can just open up and let go a little bit, more good things will come along. But that, you know, it all gets back to taking responsibility and self-love and trust. And so all of those things go into it, I think, Lori. You know, I think a lot of people, from what you said, I think a lot of people, they don't allow their strength to come forward. Because what you and I can't help but think the first thing you said to me, what you and he did in the beginning, when you have the strength and 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 put your ego to I think that is very a strong thing to do. To put your ego aside and say, This is about my kids and about you feeling better, but it's about your kids as well. To actually call him and say, Listen, this is how it's gonna be I understand that, you know, this wouldn't be my choice if it could have worked out differently, but it is, as they say, what it is. And I really like to, you know, know who you are um, a little bit through this. That, to me, and the fact that he was open to doing that and he invited you over so you two could know each other, so you could be comfortable enough when his children are in, your children are, are in his presence, um, which was the most, you know, very important thing, and then also that you could feel okay um, in general and help you. That was huge. I mean, that step alone, 99%, I think probably 99% of people wouldn't do. So, I mean, it really started off on a good foot. Well, it's nice for you to say that. I appreciate hearing that. It's bled into some of the things that I do now. And in one of the talks I give called Rise Like a Phoenix, Race Like a Turtle, I, I talk about the fact that uh, so many of the things that actually exhibit and require the most strength, if you will, are disguised as weakness. And one of them is forgiveness uh, of ourselves and of others and of situations beyond our control, that if that, that still comes down to a choice. But we've got a lot, based on my observations, we've got a lot of people and organizations and countries in our world that, um, that, that have to be right and they won't let go and they choose to carry that toxic energy with them that no, giving ground is weakness, letting somebody else take away means they get the best of you and that, that's just in my view really, really, really small-minded. It's how I was for almost four decades because that's how I thought it was supposed to be. But I'll ask you because I tell people that same story of how he and I got together and you know the example that we set for, for the kids. I forgave myself for arriving in that situation and them for their end of it and whatever it was. And now here we are with the situation that you've just described. Uh, am I weak? Is he because if I am, I'm all right with that. Because mm. I know how much strength it took to be able to move through that. And I, if I had gotten what I, not just what I wanted, Lori, at that time, but what I was absolutely certain, I, like, I was certain, I knew was right. You fix it or it's a failure. If I had gotten what, what I knew was right, then that little boy, their son, wouldn't exist and my two sons wouldn't have had anywhere near the context and the firsthand involvement of watching their dad go through that process, navigate through a new relationship, understand what, what it means to have the ups and downs of a relationship and to face other different challenges and start to conquer. Th those, those two kids have been my wingmen through all of it. And... Is it better for them for me to just, you know, sit here as the parent and orate on how life is when the fact is, I don't know, I'm just doing my best to try to figure it out, just like my parents did and their parents before them. So when my kids are in the position that I'm in now, they'll be, they'll be miles ahead of where I am, and that's good. Hopefully their kids will be able to say the same thing. And the neat thing is that what looks like it's selfless while well, you do these things you know, for your kids. Well, you could also turn that around and go, it's actually selfish because when I look around, I see how much I've benefited from all that. But we just, we don't think. We take our heels in and we get our, the hair on the back of our neck up and we have to be right and we point fingers and we just, you know, it gets back to where we just don't have some of the basic framework in terms of how to understand each other's perspectives and interact as human beings. But, uh, We'll get it. We just need to have a lot more conversations like this, I think, Lori. Oh, we sure do. I mean, because this is some hard stuff. 
you can say the words, <laughs> but, but this is really hard stuff to do, to put your ego aside and, and all of that, well, he did wrong or she did wrong, and why should I have to do this? But the bottom line is that really is not what's most important. What's most important is to say, here's where we are. I want to rise above. I want to be happy. I want to, I want to be able to move forward in my life. In order to do that, if we're self-aware, I mean, we know that we need forgiveness, gratitude, um, self-awareness, et cetera. So can you give us any couple of last-minute tips on if people are going through struggles you know, with divorce, and you said there was obviously it took you a long, a while to get to where you really needed to be with the extended family. Could you give um, our listeners a few tips or things that they can do to sort of get their minds in the right headspace to be able to navigate this? I hesitate to suggest to anyone else how they should run their life or navigate their situation. I do think, though, that there are some things that are are universal in terms of being able to apply them for probably a positive benefit. And I also believe that we already know, again, where we started out, what, what it is that we need to know. It's just a matter of whether we, we know that we know it yet or we want to see it. Or, or to put it another way, um, if there's an elephant in the room, you don't need me to tell you that it's there. You already know it's there. It's just a matter of whether you want to admit to it or not. So one of those is you, you cannot change another person. The only one that you have the control to work on is yourself. How do you feel about yourself? What are you saying to yourself? What kind of thoughts enter your mind? I mean, I would say awareness is the is the first thing and that sounds like a simple word but if you really start to dive into it you're going to find it's a pretty deep well what do you believe about yourself what are you hanging on to from what you may have picked up from your parents from your siblings from school from job and and i'm not talking about again being a victim here but i i really i found that until I could be good with myself and know that it didn't matter what's going to go on, I'm going to be good with, with who I am, that things really started to improve in the world outside of myself. And I, I guess to take that a step further is, and I first learned this from Gay Hendricks in Conscious Living, is to take 100% responsibility for your own experience. That if it's in your awareness and if it's in your life and you're dealing with it, whatever it is, it's your responsibility oh, well, she was having the affair, not me. That can't be my responsibility. And yeah, it is. I'm not saying it's your fault. But if it's in your life, it's your responsibility. Now, taking anything less than 100% responsibility is to be a victim. And you're giving all your power away. Yeah, but this happened and that happened. Life is hard. Yeah, I get it. I just, as Gary Vaynerchuk says, I haven't figured out how the universe gives a hoot. <laughs> It's, it's your life. If you're going to go beyond that, over 100% responsibility, and there's a lot of that too, then you're enabling the people-pleasing. The, well, once I serve beyond my capacity, then everybody will like me and think me worthy. And what you're doing is you're depleting yourself. So I'm not saying it's easy, but it is pretty simple. That's where I would start of where am I not taking responsibility for my own experience and how can I look into learning to love myself and really just kind of getting aware of, of, of where I am, where I think I want to go, what are the things I'm thinking and how are things affecting me. And, and I would also get help. I always say talk to somebody. That doesn't necessarily need to be a, a counselor or a therapist or someone like that, although that was, was huge for me. But it's amazing what happens when you have things that are bottled in and a friend or, or, or someone that you can feel good about trusting that when you can get something out of rattling around in your insides and and say it and name it and get it out in the air, it's, it has an interesting way of separating you from that. So you can start to maybe reframe it and and, and work with it a little bit to um, to set yourself free. Uh, but I don't think it's an issue of your environment or you know the other person or something like that. Those certainly may be heavy influencers. But I, I say in one of my other talks that, you know, no matter where you are, 
or what you think you are, whatever label you want to toss on yourself, you're always going to be who you are. Then you get into another relationship or a different job or a different house or a different city or whatever it is, you get to take yourself with you. So it behooves you to know who that is and who it is not and, and to be okay with it. I make that sound simple, but I've found out through experience, and as you know, Lori, <laughs> that's a big job, but once you take that on, magic starts to happen. Oh, it's so true. And letting your guard down and just saying, who really cares what anybody thinks if somebody thinks, perceives that you're weak or strong or perceives that, oh, she messed up or he messed up. Some of that comes, I think, sometimes with age, not always, but I know it has with me, and also I'm on a journey, I'm a seeker, you know, I'm always, I'm looking to try to grow and be better, and when that happens, it, you just start to not care what anybody else thinks, you just want to be your best self, because then everybody around you, like your children, family, friends, and anybody that r runs across your path ends up having a better experience because you exist. And that is really good stuff. Um, are those other people who might be weighing you down are on their own journey, and that's their business. So, I, you know, I, I can't say that enough to people. And you, you're just, Kevin, a great example and such a good example to people who have been through such tough times in relationships that, you know, you, you about self-awareness, first of all, as you mentioned, but how that manifests out there into the world and helps your family, your friends, most importantly yourself, is that that's that's the key. I mean, to me, that's everything. That's what we're supposed to be doing. So I can't tell you how much I appreciate, you know, you being on the show and, and being able to, to put that out there to give our listeners something really, really powerful to think about. So... What I'd like to do in the next couple minutes is I'd like you to talk to the audience about um, how they can get in touch with you, what you've got going on, website stuff, any, anything you'd like to put out there. I appreciate that, Laurie, and it's, it's, I really enjoyed speaking to you when you were on my podcast, and I, I want to mention that's episode 63 of Journeys with the No Schedule Man. And I encourage people to go and listen to that. I'm sure that, that the folks that listen to your show have some context about you, but it was a conversation that has a lot of value that I greatly enjoyed and will continue to encourage people to go and listen to. So episode 63 with Lori Peters <laughs> and yours truly. It was a good one. Uh, and there are a lot of other uh, conversations in the archive of, of that podcast that deal with relationships and, and a lot of the issues that you and I have have brought up here. And so that would be a, an easy, free, convenient way to start if you want to know more about me and the people that, that I associate with. Uh, and that's available on iTunes and Stitcher and YouTube and the noschedulemanpodcast.com is, is where you can find that. Uh, I do a, a video blog just about every week on my YouTube channel, youtube.com slash noschedulemanman I call it footsteps. It's usually three to five minutes long with just sort of a little metaphorical look at a certain issue, just trying to get people thinking a little bit. I'm also in the process of, of launching, and, and that is making available to the public or to, to people that, so for instance, if you're listening to this conversation and you're saying, I, I, I kind of, I can relate to what they're saying, um, but that's a lot. <laughs> that's a lot to try to download. He's got a, you know, an open fire hose pointed in my face. Um, that's what the Turtle Tribe is designed to do, is to help keep in touch. I'm, I'm calling that an online coaching community, but moreover, an, an area where I call for encouragement, empowerment, and creative collaboration. And so while the community exists, it's not yet set up for people to subscribe to on a monthly basis. And it'll only be about $29 a month to do that. Uh, but what people can do is if they want to add their name to the, my email list at theturtletribe.com or even just on my regular website, I'll notify them when, when that comes up, and that would be a way to have access to sort of daily coaching and a community of people, a lot of whom are working through relationship issues as well. And then beyond that, you know, just on my website, there's all sorts of information about the, the speaking topics that I give. I like Rise Like a Phoenix, Race Like a Turtle, which I mentioned, and all of the, the stuff that I've just mentioned is all there. KevinBolmer.com. My last name is B as in Bob, U-L-M as in Mary, E-R, or NoScheduleman.com 
which is uh, it goes to the same place. It's just a little easier to remember, <laughs> perhaps. Um, so people can find out anything they'd like about me if they want to visit those places, Laurie. And thanks for asking. Of course. Well, it's been as it was the other time. It's been a very enlightening and interesting, um, fun conversation to have with you. You're you're just a delight to have on the show and so open. And I really think that um, that you're doing such really a lot of good in the world. And I appreciate that. And I'm pleased to put you out there on the Happiness Hangout. So, so Kevin Ballmer's been on our show today. Um, this will be airing live on November 15th, and it will be in my archives after that, going out on all my social media and, of course, to iTunes, Stitcher, and Blueberry. So, Kevin Ballmer, thank you so much for being our guest on the Happiness Hangout. My pleasure, Lori. I look forward to talking to you again soon. Thank you. Getting Married at Last, My Journey from Hopelessness to Happiness is my new book out in paperback and Kindle at Amazon.com. Yes, it's a story about relationships and how to find your ultimate relationship. Also, it's a great story about self-love, gratitude, and happiness and how you can get there with not just relationships but anything you want in life. So check out Getting Married at Last, My Journey from Hopelessness to Happiness. This is Lori Peters from the Happiness Hangout. We'll see you next time. Hi, this is your host, Lori. Want to get more happiness? Check out all the free readings, activities, and my blog at my website. Want to learn how to deal with life's challenges from your positive core? Check out Empowering Yourself to Happiness class, done totally online. You can find it all at www.happinesshangout.net www.happinesshangout.net Come explore and feel better wherever you are. This is Lori Peters with the Happiness Hangout. I provide presentations on happiness and well-being to businesses, schools, and anyone involved in wellness and professional days. Check out tons of free resources and activities also at my website, www.happinesshangout.net. Feel better wherever you are. Help us grow the Happiness Hangout Show. Become a sponsor. Businesses and nonprofits get your info out there to thousands of my listeners all over the world for just pennies. Individuals can also sponsor one or more shows, and you get a shout-out to your favorite charity. Several packages available. Come see what you get and put out there what's important to you. Go to www.happinesshangout.net www.happinesshangout.net for more information.